0: Live from the FantasyFootballShow.com studios, it's the Fantasy Football Show, live,
1: Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. We've got news, we've got news. Of course, earlier, you probably heard Deshaun Watson settled 20 of the 24 lawsuits against him, Uh, but there are two potential... Lawsuits that have still yet to be filed that will be added onto those four that have not yet filed. So, those four will probably, according to reports, previous reports, mind you, will turn into six cases. So, there should be six cases against Deshaun Watson that are unsettled. Now, maybe news breaks that those were a part of this or those are not going to get filed. We don't really know, but we're really looking at potentially, I would say, six cases that have not settled. And one of which is the original case that kicked all this off. And, and Tony Buzz, uh, Busby um, released this on, on well, I don't know where this was released, actually. A statement, I think he read, and then Schefter retweeted this the part of this statement, and I've got the full statement. Uh, Ashley Solis is one of the heroes of the story, says Busby. Her case has not settled, and thus her story and that of the other three brave women will continue. So he's not speaking to those other two cases. So that's a little bit of a question right now. We don't know if those other two were actually going to file because he's not mentioning them here. I look forward to trying these cases in due course, consistent with the docket obligations and the court schedule. So apparently they're moving forward on these or they're trying to push Watson for a bigger settlement in these two cases or these four cases, but in in the original case, tough to say what's going to happen. Look, we could guess, we could speculate, we can act like we know what the heck's going on. Nobody really does. We can break it down the best we can. We can assume what the commissioner and the league are going to recommend to the independent party that is going to then cast down judgment or a recommendation, so to speak. And how this will work is this individual, this ex-judge that has been brought in to make a determination, a disciplinary decision, um, is, has been brought in to do it. And so the league's going to recommend a suspension. League's probably going to shoot really high. League's probably going to say, the NFL and Goodell, probably going to say, we want him to be suspended for the entire season. Maybe they ask for more. I don't know how this is going to actually play out in terms of Goodell and the NFL and what they're going to ask for. They're going to ask for probably something really high. Then in in anticipation that this independent party, former judge that has taken over this situation in terms of the discipline, they will make a determination. Now here's the crazy part, okay? Because if, in fact, this independent party ends up saying no discipline at all, no discipline at all, then the NFL and Goodell can't do anything. But if the determination is that there's any discipline whatsoever being recommended, and, and the discipline could be two games, four games, whatever, Roger Goodell, as long as there's discipline being recommended by this independent party, Roger Goodell could come back in up in the, the appeal part of this and overrule everything the ind- independent judge and party is recommending. So it's so strange how it's, it's mapped out. If the judge says no discipline, this independent disciplinary party says no discipline. And the NFL is recommending a year. The NFL and Roger Goodell can do nothing in terms of this situation right here. Now, what's that mean for four more cases? What's that mean for new cases that arise? Nobody knows. Everybody can pretend they know. They don't. It's a lot of ambiguity. We don't have. We don't know what's going to happen. But if this individual, this third party, independent party says, "Yeah, I recommend two games, four games, six games, eight games," doesn't matter what the recommendation is, Goodell can come in on an appeal and say. I'm not listening to anything you say. We're going to give him the full year. So it's a weird process. We most certainly believe, I don't care if he's settled or not, the NFL is still going to, this independent party is still going to suspend him or recommend discipline of some kind. Therefore, the NFL is going to get what they want. The NFL wants him out for the year. and, And you can argue that that's wrong or right or whatever you want. But there are still four pending cases against Watson right now. Four is not as big of a number as 20, Four or 26, right? But it's still four cases that hold him back entirely. This doesn't become a lesser situation because there's less people. Any one of these claims, if true, by itself would have him out the year. And maybe not even, maybe maybe not back in the league. If the claims were true. We don't know if the claims are true or not. We're not here to cast judgment. That's what the court's for. Innocent until proven guilty. The NFL is here to determine whether the league personal conduct policy was violated. And I believe that we're still going to hear some kind of open-ended, we can revisit the situation if, if further cases arise or it goes back to the criminal court on the on the two new potential cases that are going to be filed on top of the two other cases that were added to the 22 to make 24. So 20 cases settled, two of which of the four are new. The other two are not. One of them is the original claimant and then you have these in, a, in out there in, in, in nowhere land, no one's talking about them right now, these two other cases that we're supposed to file to make it six. Let me make a prediction here. And, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing based on all the evidence I've seen based on talking to our, our in-house counsel, Tony the Tiger attorney, who comes on the show and breaks this stuff down like a madman. And, and, and everything else that I've gathered and read and absorbed, I'm going to say this. I think the NFL says full year, give us a full year and a, an opportunity to revisit this, you know, whether whether that needs to be said or not. I believe that this independent party is going to come back with something along the lines of a, a six to eight game suspension. I, I think maybe along the lines of something like, the, you know, innocent, you know, whatever of this, no no proof of this, this and this, therefore was the personal conduct. Like they're going to narrow this thing down, I think to a much smaller number, but it's going to be discipline, discipline, and that discipline is going to allow Roger Goodell to come in. I don't think Roger Goodell is going to ignore the wishes and recommendations entirely of this individual, this former judge brought in to handle the disciplinary action because that would undermine the process. And people would have a big problem with why did you even bring her in if you're going to just completely ignore her recommendations. But I do think Goodell is going to up the amount, whatever the number is. If she says six to eight, he's going to say 10 to 12, whatever. Um, It's still possible he doesn't play the entire season. It is possible she says he's out out for the year, and Goodell goes, that's exactly what I thought. Okay, let's do it. But I think it's really, really hard to imagine Watson playing this year, although it's not crazy when you think about the NFL and how this stuff plays out and how unparalleled everything is. Calvin Ridley is out for the year. Granted, I don't think Calvin Ridley should have been betting on on football games. I mean, that was a dumb move. But I'm saying perspective-wise, in terms of drawing parallels, Ridley's out for the year for betting on a sport he wasn't even playing during that time. It's dumb. He shouldn't have did it. But he's out for the year, so there's a baseline to be set. And discipline to be talked about. Now you have Deshaun Watson, who's still got four... Even if he, he 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 settled on twenty cases, and you can take settlement however you want. The NFL in a, it used to take settlement as an admission of guilt in some respects. They can't really do that anymore. Um, they can do whatever they want, though. You know, they they can think whatever they want and say this is how we think about it. Like that's what's so funny about this. The NFL wants to do what the NFL wants to do. The NFL is going to do what the NFL wants to do as long as you know it's just a bunch of uh, it's it's just it's just a bunch of dancing around like it, it's all for public show they probably already know what they're going to do who knows and i'm not trying to say that this independent party's compromised but who knows what's really going on you know who who knows who's calling who and saying hey this is what needs to happen cuz we need to make sure we you know we we hit this it's hard to not say all these words that make for awful puns in the situation. It, <laughs> it it's gonna it's gonna get ugly. It wouldn't surprise me if the punishment felt nowhere near parallel to what like Ridley's getting or what other owners are getting in similar situations. Now this situation is different because these these people are claiming that assaults happened, not just that it was some shady you know massage type of deal. You know, it, it, it was more assaults in situations like that. Women crying after they had seen Watson and him admitting that they cried and left the room crying. Like, there, there's a lot of evidence here that may not be evidence that could make him, that could hold him up in a criminal situation, but clear evidence that wrongdoing was done. That Deshaun Watson put the NFL in a bad light and Deshaun Watson made his own bed, pardon the pun, by going out and potentially they're saying that there's a number of 66 to 100 of these situations with only 20 of them now settled and four of them now still pursuing civil litigation so that that's where we are on this let's hit the news button and then let's let's get over to uh, more of the news we'll touch on this a little more and now for the news news So, uh, let's see here. Um, there's some more more information here. I can read this by by Busby, and and guys, there, there's a combination of innocence and guilt here. Let's not come in here and act like he's innocent. There's some people that act like this has all been fabricated. They don't look at the details. They haven't looked at the claims. They haven't looked at what Deshaun Watson's admitted doing. They haven't looked at how that violates the personal conduct policy. When so so when somebody comes in here and says, "What crime?" What are you going to... This is what they... It's such a... It's such an aggressive tone. They come in and they go... Suspended for what? Suspended for what? What crime? How can you suspend someone if there's no crime? How can you suspend somebody if there's no crime? <laughs> that, that's the typical Deshaun Watson defender. You know, it's like... No one's saying innocent till proven guilty shouldn't live in this... in this, in this world and in this country. We all believe that you're innocent till proven guilty... But guys, he's admitted to a lot of these crazy acts and things that have happened. If you think the NFL likes what has been done and approves what has been done and is okay with reaching out and targeting anyone in here that's supporting Deshaun Watson, understand what I'm saying. Innocent till proven guilty with these criminal allegations of assault and such. But if you, if you come in here and you think that Deshaun Watson's, what crime, Smitty? What crime? How can you do anything when he didn't, 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 perform a crime, Smitty? If you really think that's, if that's your stance, that's crazy. Because this man targeted, whether you want to admit it or not, targeted 60 to 100 different individuals. Targeted. I'm using the word targeted because he 100% targeted individuals that were on Instagram, all 60 to 100 of them. They don't even know what the real number is. He targeted them because they had either no to little business, never had any real relation or, or connection to... NFL players or athletes, so they were wowed by seeing Deshaun Watson. So there's an uncomfortable, let me speak up I'm a little uncomfortable factor involved in every single one of these cases. They needed the money. The money was more important to them than a big company. The NFL provides a masseuse, and you have former athletes coming out in droves saying, when you are an athlete, you don't want 100 masseuses. There's absolutely no reason to to have 100 masseuses unless you're up to something shady. And that's the bottom line. You can try and argue it all you want. That's logic. That's logic. Um, and, and, and if you believe that it was just, okay, he wanted, you know, he wanted certain situations to occur that were very, very normal in the NFL space, maybe. Like, whatever you want to argue, that's fine. But the NFL's still not okay with 60 to 100 of these cases showing up and they're going to do something about it. That's why they're going to recommend a, probably a year suspension. Uh, I'm not saying he's guilty of any of the, the assault allegations. I'm saying the NFL has every right to be like, what'd you do? Why'd you do this? Why'd you go out and do this? Why did you go out and do this? And the NFL is hypocritical. No one's arguing that. McFact, no one's arguing that. No one's arguing that in this room. The NFL is hypocritical. They're, everything's unparall- It's not paralleled. The, the suspensions don't line up. Nothing makes sense. But you can be on both sides of this argument. You can be on the side that Watson... I'm sorry, but he targeted individuals to take advantage of the situations. He did. Whether he committed criminal crimes, we don't know. And that's why you're innocent until proven guilty. That's why... We are certainly okay with the process playing out before we, before anybody's going to jail or being in situations even remotely close to those situations. Like, of course, innocence until proven guilty, but did he do, is there wrongdoing here? Is there irresponsible behavior by Deshaun Watson? One thousand percent. Uh, This is from Busby. Today, I announced that all cases against Deshaun Watson, with the exception of four, have settled. We are working through the paperwork related to those settlements. Once we have done so, those particular cases will be dismissed. The terms and amounts of the settlements are confidential. We won't comment further on the settlements of those cases. And then this paragraph here, which we've already kind of touched on. As stated, Ashley Solis is one of the heroes of the story. Her case is not settled, and thus her story and the other three brave women will continue. I look forward to trying these cases in due course, consistent with the docket, obligations, and the court schedule. Um, Again, posturing to try and get more in a settlement, we don't know. These are all individual cases. They technically can do whatever they want individually. It's a consolidated uh, attempt and effort by the attorney Busby, and that's that. Four cases left. We don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen. Year-long suspension. Recommendation probably likely by the NFL. A little bit lesser recommendation by the independent party and former judge that has been tasked and assigned to to hand down a a disciplinary recommendation. Probably lower recommendation than the NFL. The NFL most certainly is going to shoot high. This individual is probably going to come in lower And the commissioner, Roger Goodell, will appeal, step in, and potentially, because at that point, he has full authority to do whatever he wants. He can even tell the independent party, the former judge who has been tasked to be in charge of the disciplinary recommendation, as long as she recommends any discipline whatsoever, one game, two games, doesn't matter what it is, Roger Goodell then gets green-lighted to be able to do whatever he wants on the appeal. It's a ridiculous process. That's ridiculous. Why have an independent person involved at all if Roger Goodell can just step in if there's discipline at all? So basically, make sure you hand down a disciplinary recommendation of anything. Slap on the wrist, one game. If you do, then that green lights me to come in and overrule you. So go ahead and and say something. It's ridiculous. The NFL is ridiculous with this. It's either independent or it's not. It's either authority or it's not. And, and, and it's just another thing that the NFL has backwards. And yeah, and and, and and the other thing about Roger Goodell is, look, there were so many problems that came out. And we got Kenny Powers, we got Macho Taco in here from the YouTube exclusive group. We got Vamp, I appreciate you guys coming in here. My YouTube exclusive group people in the house representing Silver Rapture in the building michael k cpa former top super chatter of the show in one single live stream is in the building first in the building was was michael k cpa gronk had an amazing career yes he did appreciate all of my youtube exclusive members in here with the the green colored and all the extra emojis that they get we're gonna eventually turn uh this on to uh subscriber mode at certain points during the year you know so that you guys can get your questions and Smitty Smitty what are you talking bad about the freak I don't know what you're talking about David I don't even know what this means talking bad about the freak Okay. I don't know David you tell me that is the Deshaun Watson news we don't have really we don't have any information other than he settled 20 out of the 24 cases and what is going on with these 20 these two other cases that were supposed to be filed we don't even know we have no clue no one's given us any information thank you Rob Gronkowski you have been Smitty approved you've just been Smitty approved Rob Gronkowski gave us many 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 years of goodness and we thank him for it uh, the Bucks thank him as well I believe Rob Gronkowski gets a call from Tom Brady midseason says, "Come back, boy Come home, boy. Come home. Gronk is gonna go and miss football. He's gonna get in phenomenal shape just working out. Drop some some lbs and feel lighter and quicker than ever. He's gonna get excited and he's gonna want to return to football. That's my guess. These guys that retire usually come back one or two times, at least one. Tom Brady. There's other news here. This is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more outrageous, but I thought I'd post it anyway. Uh, Fox analyst, um, let's see here. It was uh, was it Greg Olson? Yeah, Greg Olson, Fox Sports analyst. Greg Olson, former tight end and Carolina Panther, said Tom Brady. I don't think Tom's career is over until he gets ten Super Bowls. Anything less would would be selling himself sh- uh, short. Take that for what you will. <laughs> ten Super Bowls. Okay, Greg. You never know. <laughs> Never know, but okay, Greg. And that 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 is uh, that is the news. There isn't a ton of news. Um, let's see here. Brady just retired a month later, came back and not not falling for Gronk retirement either. Exactly, James. He'll be back. Take a lap, Greg Olson. Take a lap. Great to the moon. I mean. Maybe. I don't know about a moon call shot, but definitely, you know, a guy to keep keep tabs on now. Um definitely. Definitely. Happy retirement Gronk. Appreciate you. Says official. Uh my voicemail is Watson. I hope it's clean. Is it clean silver? You got to keep it clean. What's up, Ax? Appreciate you being here. Big dog Smitty holding it down. Yes sir. Yes sir, Silver. I need to get a laptop so I can sign up. Says Brian. There's got to be a way to sign up, bro. If you go to, go to, I got an idea, Brian. Go to thefantasyfootballshow.com and in the top banner you'll see my YouTube members button at the very top header of thefantasyfootballshow.com. Click that link and see what happens on mobile. I bet you it might it might lead you to the right place. Let's go to the voicemails.
0: It's voicemail time. Drop a voicemail at the Fantasy Football Show
1: on the gram. Tell your grandma. Alrighty, let's get to the voicemails. Appreciate everybody that always drops them. Let's clear out this topic, and we'll leave that there, and we will fill that out, and try and keep this thing organized and uh, and clean. First voicemail. I'm gonna go up and start off with Silver.
0: Deshaun Watson's a dirty boy.
1: That's silver. Jim.
0: Hey, Smitty. I have the nine pick in an upcoming redraft league. And uh, if I decide to go running back with the first pick, like Swift or Mixon, when I come around to the early part of the second round, C.D. Lamb and Stefan Diggs are sitting right
1: there. If I decide between those two, who would you rather have for this year in redraft? Uh, I draft Diggs at like 13 at the highest. I, I have yet to make Stefan Diggs an, a first rounder, I think. or Maybe I have in a mock and I don't remember, but Diggs feels second drafted player material. Doesn't mean he doesn't feel first overall drafted, second drafted player material. He could be the 2.1, but he definitely feels like he's got to be your second drafted player, in my opinion. I mean, it almost doesn't matter when you're at the bookend pick or the 11 and 13 pick, but that's just kind of my, my way of breaking down where I feel like he belongs. What tier digs belongs in. Swifty and CD Lamb. These are guys that go seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, Lamb doesn't go seven, but Swift goes seven, eight, nine. And then when he falls around two, it's a steal. To the moon, Swift. To the moon. Um, when it comes to Lamb, Lamb chops, I'm fine with him. At the turn two, and I'm fine with him being like 11 or 12. But I don't like Lamb any higher than like 10 or 11 or, 11 or 12. I don't think I even take Lamb at 10. It's kind of close for me. So Swift at nine, Um, I'd even reach for Javante at nine if the pre-rank the pre-rank list looks very bad for Javante falling to your second pick. But I will say. Uh, Jim, my favorite strategy of 2022 from anywhere near this draft slot is this duo right here. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This duo right here, taking Swift and Javante. So, 12, 13. 12, the 1.12, and the 2.1. 11 and 13. Um, these are my or eleven and fourteen. These are my favorite two players to to couple together, coming out of round the end of round one, and the top of round two. There is no better start, start in my opinion, than Swift and Javante. And that almost goes for whoever gets JT. Like you, you couple JT with a player at two point one two. Now, granted, there are exceptions. If the right player fell, you know Javante could fall. <laughs> Um, If the right player fell to 2.12, 24 overall, I think you could easily, you know, beat Swift and Javante. But in general, if it's Mike Evans that's falling, um, you're getting sniped left and right. If you're landing that that 2.12 pick can be tricky because sometimes we're sitting there and we're like, I don't even know who to go. Kelsey just goes. He's a decent pick there. Josh Allen and Kelsey are kind of my, and I know a lot of people don't like early quarterback But Josh Allen and Kelsey are pretty awesome 24 and 25 overall players if you have... um, Go ahead and hit that for me, Mods. If you have JT in the 1.1. I like Kelsey and Josh Allen. It's a very nice safeguarded back-to-back duo to pair with JT if the players aren't falling right. Um, So... I hope that answers your question, but make sure you're on the lookout for Swift and Javante, because I absolutely love Swift and Javante, bro. It's my absolute favorite. All right, uh, Stormcat.
0: Smitty Stormcat. Smitty Stormcat. With Gronk announcing his retirement, do you think Cameron Braid has any value, either in regular drafts or in uh,
1: best ball? Thanks. Yeah, Silver got him in two seconds. Silver's, Silver's on top of that mod stuff. Um... Brave. Yeah, I mean look, let's not get carried away. We just we all just kind of agreed, I think. The the ninety-two of us in the building right here. Hit that thumbs up by the way, if you're coming in the door. Subscribe. Hit
0: that subscribe button if you're new and wipe your feet at the door.
1: Deshaun Watson, that like button and get in here and wipe your feet. Um I think we all agreed in here that Gronk's coming back. Almost ninety people in here agreed in unison. Gronk's coming back at some point. So, Brate, he's okay, bro. He's okay. He's like a, a, I don't know. The top ten tight ends are gone. You're looking for a backup. Or you got screwed out of drafting a tight end because you weren't paying attention. and You need to grab a couple people and you grab two kind of Brate-type players. Like, sure. But I'm, like, why are you going to put yourself in that position? You know what I mean? Why do you need Brate? What, is is it just because it sounds fun to grab him? You know, he's a new face. Look, I got a new person to talk about. Brait. Hey. Now Brake can now Brake can come out and play. Can Brake come out and play, Smitty? I, I mean, why not just grab Friarmouth? He's going like in round ten. Why not just grab Friarmouth? The Muth is available, his services are cheap, he's always there. Don't put yourself in a position where you need to draft Brait. You know what I mean? I, I just think it's a waste. Why go there? Why go there? You know what I'm saying, Stormcat?
0: One last question, Steady. Um I'm typically a late-round quarterback drafter, so I typically like to fill out those wide receiver one, uh, running back one slots first, and then go after my backups, maybe grab a uh, tight end like Kittle in the fourth. If I'm doing so, like, which one of the quarterbacks in the later rounds would you uh, be more favorable to us drafting? Like, I'm kind of thinking, you know, as my earliest quarterback, like a Jalen Hurts, something like that, in that range. But I'm, like, totally okay with getting a Tom Brady, you know, maybe a Trey Lance later. Trey Lance I really like, Um, you know. I could even go even further as much as, like, the, the last quarterback I'm drafting is, like, Kirk Cousins. Uh, once I get to, like, Derek Carr territory, I just, uh, it's just a complete fault.
1: I'm just kidding with you, bro, but... I I mean, I'm never... I'm never missing quarterbacks so many times in a row that I'm settling for a Kirk Cousins. How do you, you know, like, but in a super flex, I can understand that. Like, going late, quarterback of the Superflex. Okay, I get that. You know who you can get, though? Do you know who the secret weapon Superflex quarterback to grab when you... Let's say you get the number four overall pick. Okay, you're able to get one of the big four. You get you get either Burrow or Mahomes. You're, you're set. Now, let's say you want to go on a rampage of taking those running back ones and the wide receiver ones and, uh, you know, tight end, whatever, and you end up being put in a position where you don't have any viable good QB options available. I'll tell you who the surprise guy to pick up is. Davis Mills. Davis Mills is a darn good QB two in a super flex league where you botch quarterback or you passed on quarterback number two for a reason. So Davis Mills is a secret weapon QB two. Absolutely love it. Um... I am an early quarterback drafter. I'm also a late quarterback drafter. But my question to you would be, if you miss out on uh, Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, and Josh Allen because you're not an early quarterback drafter, and your line in the sand is different. I'm not trying to convince you where your line in the sand is for early quarterback. You got to do you, okay? But why, why, why are you missing on Wilson? On you know, like you said, you you'd be happy with the Brady but Wilson or Trey Lance even. Like, you never get to a Cousins, bro. You literally have those top four guys. You've got Wilson, you've got Lance, you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got Tom Brady, you got Matthew Stafford, you got Jalen Hurts. You literally can't be starting a Kirk Cousins. If you're starting a Kirk Cousins, you're losing. I'm not saying he can't do okay, but that's not as your starter. As your super flex, maybe, but I still pass on Cousins personally to go get Mills a little later to then beef up my running back two and, and wide receiver two. So that that's it. Um, am I almost up in the Cooper Cup League? I don't know if I am. Ryan.
0: What's up, Smitty? My quick question is pertaining to the fan bases of the NFL. I'm
1: sorry to interrupt you, Ryan, but we got a new uh, YouTube exclusive member, and that's Pearson. So, Pearson, I want to, first of all, welcome you to the YouTube exclusive member club. Look at that nice green name you now have attached to you. All the new emojis you have available. When we lock things down during the year, late night streams, probably even like a 20-minute period during the 7 p.m. show, we will we'll go down to exclusive mode for about 20 30 minutes um, to give a lot of the YouTube exclusive members some time we want to congratulate Pearson for becoming a YouTube exclusive member ladies and gentlemen yeah, yeah. Yeah, buddy. appreciate you good buddy good sir welcome Pearson Kenny vamp and gang welcome welcome him in, into the into the YouTube exclusive group. Um, Where were we? Where were we? I'm sorry, Ryan.
0: Pertaining to the fan bases of the NFL, which team's organization do you feel has the strongest, most hardcore fan base of them all? Thank you.
1: Fan base? Uh oh, I don't know, man. That's a really... Everybody's going to tell you their fan base. Like, I, I can tell you that you know, because I deal with the Niner fan base so much because I do a Niner show on Instagram, they're hardcore. They're hardcore. They're a good group of fans, but they're also very brutal. Like when Moster got hurt, Debo Samuel, like they can be they can be vicious to their team as well, but they're a hardcore group and they'll come at you. Um, they're hardcore. Um, yeah, Vikings are, are, are pretty hardcore to the bone. Uh, Packers fan. I, I personally think Packer fans have probably the best experience. There's ownership involved. There's waiting for for t- season tickets. Like you're gifted that and you're 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 handed that down as inheritance. So Green Bay seems like the most like engaging and most fun fan base to be a part of, honestly. And then the cold weather games, like that, just seems fun to me. Um, but as far as like the best fan base, I mean, I don't know, man. You could you could argue like fifteen different fan bases you know certainly not the Cardinals I'll I'll tell you what some of it is relating to the state that you're in like the Rams they don't really have an identity so they're kind of like everyone's you know fairweather fan attaching to the Rams Rams don't have a big huge loyal monstrous fan base like the Niners do or a team that's been you know like the Vikings or the Packers The Cardinals also don't have a very good fan base because it's growing, it's getting better. They created that stadium in Glendale. They've created a lot of homegrown Glendale uh, supporters. So it's got a lot better. I wouldn't call the Cardinal fans fair weather anymore. But the Cardinal fans, the reason the Cardinal fans are kind of like start off fair weather and the reason the Suns fans are kind of fair weather is because Arizona, it's not the fans' fault. Arizona, you rarely have people that, that were born here. They migrate here. They retire here. They visit here during the summer. So Arizona is oftentimes full of people that are from other places. So it's they feel like fair weather because they, they just got here and they're supporting the Suns. And same thing with the Cardinals. So that's kind of why Arizona is built that way. And you got to look a little deeper to understand why.
0: One more question. This is um,
1: 85. In here, hit the basically thumbs up.
0: about those running backs this year. So, like, I'm seeing a couple of these after doing these mock drafts, I'm seeing a couple of these running backs fall a little bit further. Uh, which RB2 are you looking at to target the most this upcoming year? RBs like Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Anything uh, in the RB2 territory. Thanks so
1: much. Those don't feel like RB2s to me. Those feel like RB3s. Miles Sanders, he better not be RB2 or you're not doing it right. Um, You know what I mean? Like, you gotta go after... Your RB2 should look like ETN. Your RB2 should look like Brees Hall. Your RB2 should look like Kenneth Walker at the very least. Your RB2 could look like David Montgomery. Your RB2 could potentially be Elijah Mitchell cuffed with the backup or backups. Your RB2 could maybe be, you could even maybe get Gibson as your RB2. Um, I'm not saying that you can't build best player available and go running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback. And then, yeah, you're going really late on your RB2. But that's a different, unique approach. But I I would also say, Ryan, given where... Kenneth Walker is falling religiously to round six and seven. Just like I talked about quarterback earlier, you almost have no excuse for letting Kenneth Walker slip by you so many times. I have people on my text line that say, they literally say, Smitty, um, who do I take here? And it's like the six and a half round and and Kenneth Walker's there. And I'm like, oh, I'm impatient. I'd take Kenneth Walker because they list off guys that, yeah, Kenneth Walker could fall. But the the players he's listing off, they aren't worth the risk of Walker falling. So six point five, give me Walker, and he goes, oh okay, the, he, the guy doesn't take Walker. Then it's seven point, you know, six or seven point whatever pick is up on the clock. He's like, hey, who do I take here? B- between, uh, you know, uh, let me throw out a name like that. I re- that I remember this conversation going. Like, do I do I take? Uh, it'd be like wide receivers, like Lockett. Do I take Burks? Do I take you know? Hunter Renfro, Alan Lazard, uh, maybe a Juju, maybe maybe a Bateman. And then I'm like, okay, okay. Do, who'd you, you didn't have, end up getting Kenneth Walker? No, I didn't take him. Is he there? Yeah, he's there. Okay, so your boy Smitty wanted... He's still there, Smitty. Do I take him? What do you think, Bob? I just told you to take him in round six. You didn't take him. Now you wonder if you should be taking Lockett instead of Kenneth Walker. There's no excuse for letting Walker fall. Round after round after round. And then in round eight, I'm like, please grab Kenneth Walker. You didn't listen to me in round six. You didn't listen to me in round seven. And then, oh, he got sniped right before my pick. Darn it, we missed him. No, we didn't miss him. You missed him, bro. You missed him. I told you to take him two rounds ago. Friermuth. No reason you should fall past Friermuth. For, for tight end one. Kenneth Walker. No reason you should fall back, back past Kenneth Walker for running back two. Trey Lance. No reason you should fall past Trey Lance for your QB one in a one QB league. That's how I feel about those guys. Kenny. And Ryan, I'm not mad at you.
0: Exclusively looking at it from a redraft position. How do you feel about Pitts this year?
1: You guys like my Lou Molinotti shirt? Look at this Lou Molinotti shirt. They sent me some swag um Kyle Pitts his his uh his overall ranking consensus wise across the fantasy industry is number 30 overall that means 25 is 1 2 3 4 5 6 3.6 who's around 3.6 Montgomery Elliot Keenan Allen Pittman DK. I take DK. Gibson. I take Gibson. Deontay. I take Kyle Pitts over Deontay. Cam Akers. I take Kyle Pitts over Cam Akers. T Higgins. You could easily argue T Higgins or Pitts. Both about even. But Montgomery. I'd probably take Montgomery. Elliott. I'd rather have Kyle Pitts than Elliott. Keenan Allen. I'd rather have Kyle Pitts than Keenan Allen. Michael Pittman. I know a lot of you like him you're overdrafting him as your third drafted player. Kyle Pitts can be a mid to late third draft drafted player, not top of the third, mid to late third drafted player, preferably 4.1 to 4.4. That's where I'd rather you get Kyle Pitts as your fourth drafted player, to be honest, but if you're sitting there and you're like Smitty, DK, Gibson, Kyle Pitts, and Montia there, I'm not taking Kyle Pitts. I'm not. If you're telling me Pittman and uh, Cam Akers and Keenan Allen are there, I'm taking Kyle Pitts, and then I will take Kenneth Walker, you know, in the in the next couple rounds. You know what I'm saying, bro? That's how I'm rolling. Tony.
0: What's up, guys? So what do we think about A.J. Brown? Is he a WR1, or are we kind of worried about him based on Hurts?
1: Um, A.J. Brown, let me type this in here. Uh I go live with him once in off season. I'm hoping to do that very soon. I don't. These guys are a lot harder to get a hold of than they used to be. These NFL players because they get shade in the media and they don't. They don't. They end up not wanting to talk to the media. And and he was a holdout. He's he was in a holdout, so he got a lot of negativity from fan bases and from analysts. And he kind of distanced himself from people when that happens. Debo, you think Debo's gonna come talk to a, a an analyst like me now? You think? AJ Brown's excited to jump on a live stream, not knowing what I might say, not, you know, he doesn't know me that well, he doesn't know me at all, part of he barely remembers me at all, and, and, and the way people treat these guys, I'll tell you what, if I'm on a live stream with AJ Brown, he's a top five to ten wide receiver, <laughs> as soon as AJ Brown logs off, I'm going to tell you I'm a little concerned about that, <laughs> because his knees, an injury concern, it's legit, it's real, I worry about it. Does he play more than 15, 14 games? I don't know. I don't know. While he's on the field, he should dominate. He's one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL, meaning he can do a whole bunch with a little. He can do a lot with a little. I absolutely love, absolutely love A.J. Brown as a third drafted player. I could get behind him being your second drafted player if it's at the the bookend 24 and 25 overall pick range. Um example case in point would be if you um here is the third round, here's the second round, here's the first round. If you get to this part of your draft and you are left with Fournette. you know, Elliot, guys like that, uh, Keenan Allen, and and I know everyone loves Higgins, but that's just too early for, for me, it doesn't mean I don't like Higgins, but it's just too early, you're left with those kind of guys, you're left with, in my opinion, I'm not liking Barkley here, I know a lot of you guys do, Barkley is not a 24 overall player to me, he's a mid third to early fourth round pick for me, which means I might not draft him and own him a lot. And I'm fine with that, but I need to bake in the risk. So Barkley is that range for me. If I get to this point and I'm looking at those guys, then, then AJ Brown could be a back-to-back player that you take with like a Josh Allen. If you're just sitting there and you just, you, you got sniped the entire way from one, all the way down to twenty-four overall, but if you're sitting there and AJ Brown is, uh, let's redo this. Two. Let's say you're sitting here and you got guys like, and, and I still worry about Hill, but at, at twenty-four overall, you can't be—you can only be so worried about him get hurt, changing teams. But like, if you're sitting there looking at um, Hill and I'm trying to think of, of other guys that could fall, Aaron Jones used to fall, but he's probably going to go a lot higher than 24. Now he's just getting cemented really high up into the mid second round. Um, if you, if you see, you know, obviously if a Javante were there, you take Javante. Um, if, uh, if let's say, you know, lamb starting to fall, a lot of people are letting lamb fall. Obviously you take lamb. If, if, You know, Diggs were to fall, which he won't, because he's kind of going at the top of second. Um, You you might take him, Allen. So it just depends on who's there. If you're telling me that none of these guys are available, Aaron Jones is gone, then A.J. Brown actually becomes a pretty viable 24, 25 overall pick. But A.J. Brown's sweet spot is probably 3.5 to, you know, down. That's where I'd probably say he's got the most baked in, risk AJ Brown is probably what I'd say I think we got Kenny exclusively
0: looking at it from a redraft position how do you feel about pits this year oh
1: I already got that one Vince
0: hey what's happening fellas Uh, Vince from Tampa Bay hey I got a question for you it's a full point PPR who would you rather keep DK in the fifth round or Mike Williams in the ninth round. Obviously, I'm thinking round value. That's the only way that becomes a question. Thanks.
1: Um, I don't know that that round value is enough for me to not like the DK side more. So, like, you got to ask yourself: Would you rather have Mike Williams and the player you could draft in DK spot, or? Do you just rather because it's a keeper league because if you're keeping guys, the fifth round really isn't the fifth round. You know, it's either the sixth round or if you keep two guys and it's the seventh round. So the fifth round's not as plentiful as, as it probably is. Th-